Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. Oh boy, Yay. I'm glad I'm glad we could be back with another show. We are now after after East of the Sun, West of the Moon, we're right back at it with some great stories. Lindsay, we are heading to a very, very cool place today, aren't we? We certainly are. <laughs> we we were a little incorrect last week, or at least I was, when I said that hey, you know, next time we're gonna do Scandinavian tales. Um, we kind of decided to go more more of a specific route that's a little closer in line with our creature. It's all right. Next see, <laughs> see, we can't we can't really get close to Viking territory without me just going totally crazy and yelling Vikings, Vikings, you know, like I animal mean, you're the Muppet, gonna, probably. Yeah, yeah. So but. it's a <laughs> so tonight for your listening pleasure, we've got Vikings, Vikings, Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we're actually going to end up doing tales that are specifically from Norse mythology, uh, which Logan is super happy about. And I'm super happy about. And I'm sure you're super happy about out there. You are. (laughs) Yes. Just a couple, like a point of clarification. Uh, Scandinavia is Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. And Nordic is all three of those plus Finland and Iceland and associated territories. So basically, anything that's Scandinavian is essentially Nordic, but not everything Nordic is Scandinavian, if that makes sense. Of course it makes sense. So I phrased it incorrectly last time. I just wanted Uh, to clarify, you know, uh, I mean, we're not really educational here, (laughs) really. I mean, we're a show about folklore and drinks. Although I think our category is, in fact, education. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we should be more accurate then. But wait, I just was. (laughs) We can educate them in chemistry mixes, huh, Lindsay? Um, We can. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's do that. (laughs) Um. So let's talk about our cocktail. We are doing a drink tonight with Aquavit, which is a Scandinavian distilled spirit, um, which is usually distilled from grain or potatoes. And it's usually flavored with caraway, which is used as a spice in rye bread. Um, so it's caraway or dill. And that's the main, like it's the main flavor within the spirit. Kind of like how gin has juniper as its main flavor, right? Um, and it may also have flavors like fennel, coriander, citrus, cumin, anise, among various other things. Mm-hmm. It has a somewhat savory flavor. And you actually can make it at home by infusing vodka with a mix of something like caraway seeds, fresh dill, star anise, fennel seeds, lemon zest, etc. Um, and just kind of letting it steep for a few days and then mm-hmm. filtering it out, um, which is cool. You can make it at home, which is probably why it's popular in places you know and it's gaining a following in the states as far yeah, as that's kind of what i've found is that mm-hmm. it is becoming kind of a little bit more chic and trendy uh, if you're looking for something that's like gin but you know something different uh maybe this is the answer for you aquavit yeah for sure i mean trying new things is always fun and all new things that you encounter you're going to have more fun mixes of stuff that you can make which is always nice Our resident cocktail expert, Anubis, found a cocktail for us uh, that uses Aquavit, and so we're doing that tonight. It's called Fjellbeck, which is mountain stream in Norwegian, and it's uh, three-quarters ounce vodka, three-quarters ounce of Aquavit, three-quarter ounce of lime juice, and then any lemon-lime soda to taste, and you just mix them up with ice, 
keep adding your lemon lime soda until it tastes like you want it to. You probably try it at different intervals, see what you think. Um, but it's it's very refreshing. It's citrusy with some really interesting flavors. And it actually doesn't taste super alcoholic, even though it definitely is pretty potent. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if, you know, lemon lime soda, we, we used Sprite. And uh, if you don't like the really sweet taste of Sprite, what I recommend is a mixer. If you're looking for something maybe a little drier or something a little closer to like a tonic water, Sprite Zero is a pretty solid mixer if you're going for something in the lemon lime area of the palate. Interesting. I don't, I'm not a purveyor of lemon lime sodas, yeah, um, so yeah, that's you, good to know. <laughs> I, I always, I'm always on the lookout for a good mixer. Heck yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's head into our tales tonight. Oh, but but first, oh, sorry. one one thing. There is one thing that we must talk about, Lindsay. Okay. Game of Thrones. Oh no! Oh no! No. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The, it is back. I thought we were turning into like. <laughs> Partially we, TV show <laughs> review. <laughs> we'll only talk about it for a second, but it's friggin' sweet. We got dragons. We got all kinds of things coming up. I'm still a big fan of the show. I know that you know it's deviated a lot from the books by now, Which and is, a lot of people are you know, kind of a good thing, not quite so keen on it. Would rather keep the show. They they like the story that they read well, instead of the story that's being presented. It's his own fault for and, like not finishing the books, like. Exactly. If you don't finish your homework, then you can't be surprised if you don't get the full grade. <laughs> and to be honest, I you know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I hated the books, which is terrible. <gasps> I know. Like, okay, let me explain. I, it's okay. I like the story. Didn't read all of them. <laughs> I like the story and I like the characters, but I strongly dislike his his style of writing. Ooh, that's I, I've got a lot of writers like that. Uh, and Tolkien I, is one like that for me too, which is like blasphemy. I know mm-hmm. he's he's in the same boat. Like I like his story, I like his characters. Fellowship was fantastic, and then I hit the Two Towers and like the first half of Return of the King and all of the Hobbit, just, and I just can't do it. It just wasn't for you. It's, okay, it's a mountain on a flower for like five page or mountain on a flower, a flower on a mountain for like five yeah. pages. You know, like. <laughs> there's, there's a place to be succinct about things and and neither of them are great at it someone well, who it is good kind of... is brandon sanderson he's very good at yeah. getting to the point and yeah, having a... the characters and story it <laughs> does kind of go to show that uh, you can have a great story but the quality of the storyteller still does it matters matter. a um, lot yeah i think that's why the show's been like game of thrones has been so successful is that it is a good story and they are good characters so it does translate to screen really well because i mean they have a good quality production team and writers but it's good content too so anyway i've enjoyed it It sounds like you have as well we don't want to give you any spoilers yeah we're not we're not a spoilers or really a whole discussion kind of podcast but if anybody out there's like oh man i don't have any friends that watch game of thrones well guess what you got us yeah tweet at us we watch it we'll talk to you we celebrate game of thrones and if it's not for you okay well it's almost over there you go (laughs) there you go And if you haven't ever started watching it, you know, wait till this one's over and then you'll have eight entire seasons to watch. Yeah, binge it after the fact. Which That's the best way to be watch nicer, anything. Actually, then you won't have spent, you know, what, eight, ten years of your life watching a show. Besides, it's not like it's based on current events. Exactly. Uh, the, the show will age all right. 
So, yeah, all right, Game of Thrones talk anyway, over. Yeah, okay, we'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll continue talking about it as we go. And, and mostly I would like to kind of address it because we will have a lot of great examples of, of characters, of monsters, of tropes from stories that have been used in that show. And for a lot of people, that's something that they can identify with. For a lot of people, that was their first real foray into fantasy. Um, and so while, yes, it is mainstream, and yes, not, it's not everyone's favorite story, for some people it does mean a lot, and we kind of want to, want mm-hmm. to embrace that. Well, I think uh, I think one of the most notable things about it is how much it is bringing fantasy to the forefront. Like, fantasy is cool again. I know, because right? Because of it's Game of Thrones, which is great. A totally weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And I hope that I hope that the offshoot shows that they're making from it do well and other fantasy series find bigger footholds, you know. I hope it just keeps continuing because fantasy is cool, man. Yeah, and I like that visual effects have gotten to a place now where they can help to tell a story yeah. instead of distract from it. Um, it's not like especially 70s. <laughs> 70s CGI. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not just achieved with the budgets uh, of movies. Now it is available to television or streaming services. Absolutely. Some cool stuff coming up. Hope you all enjoy it. If you're not, maybe you enjoy listening to stories instead. Yeah, and we can accommodate that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our stories tonight are from a book, the same one. It's called Asgard Stories. And it's by Mary H. Foster and Mabel H. Cummings. And it was written in 1901. So since they aren't directly from the mouth of a Viking, we can't really guarantee that they are exactly correct. (laughs) And the book has definitely been written to suit their audience rather than be anthropologically correct. Yeah, I do think that that's something interesting about our selections tonight is that they were largely collected and recorded at a time when... 100% 100% accuracy wasn't really the goal. Yeah, and they, these um, were written for children, as far as I can tell. Yeah, this is a, a whitewashed interpretation a little bit, and we'll kind of jump into it, and I will offer uh, some some counterpoints as, as they come up. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we're going to roll with this one, because it's a good place to start. Yeah, so our first one is The Story of the Beginning, which is a great place Ooh. to start. Indeed. <laughs> the Story of the Beginning. The people who lived long ago, in the far-off lands of the North, watched the wonderful things that happened out of doors every day, just as we do. But they did not know about the one loving God, who is the Father of all, who made them and the world, and rules it by his wise laws. So they thought there must be a great many unseen powers, living in the clouds, in the wind, in the storms, and the sunshine, and doing all those wonders that no man could do. And so those northern people, who were our own forefathers, came to believe in many gods, one for the sun, one for the thunder, another for the flowers, and so on. In the long dark winters, when the bright sun had gone away from them, these northmen had time to think many thoughts about the powers of frost, and wind, and storms, which they called giants. And they used to tell stories and sing songs about the short, bright summer and thawing out of the streams and lakes, the coming of the birds and flowers. With great joy, the people saw the bright sun god, Balder, come back to them in the spring. And after the long darkness, they knew that they owed their lives to his friendly warmth and light. As we read the stories, or myths, told by those people long ago, 
we can see that they were meant to tell about the world all around us. At first, the stories were told and sung from father to son, that is, from one generation to another. But later, when people learned how to write, these myths were written down and kept with great love and care. This is the story they told of the beginning. At first, before living creatures were in the world, it was all rough and without order. Far to the north, it was very cold, for ice and snow were everywhere. Toward the south, there was fire, and from the meeting of the fire and the cold, a thick vapor was formed, from which sprang a huge giant. On looking about for some food, he saw a cow, who was also searching for something to eat. The ice tasted like salt, and when the cow began to lick it, a head appeared, and at last the whole figure of a god stood before her. From these two, the giant and the god, there came the two great races of giants and gods, who were always enemies to each other. The giants were constantly trying to break into Asgard, the home of the gods, in the sky. The gods, on the other hand, watched and planned to keep out the giants, and to drive them back to their own stronghold, Utgard. Our world, where men and women lived, was between Utgard and Asgard. It was called Midgard, and around this Midgard world, under the ocean, was coiled a monstrous serpent who grew so long that his tail grew down his throat. He was called the Midgard Serpent. A wonderful tree named Yggdrasil connected all the worlds. This great ash tree had its roots in Utgard, and the tops of its branches reached up so high as to overshadow Asgard. Its three main roots were watered by three fountains, and near one of them sat the wise giant Mimir, of whom we shall hear later. The Norns, three sisters who also lived at the roots of Yggdrasil, were careful to see that it was watered every day. A little gray squirrel was always running up and down the tree, jerking his tail and hurrying to tell the news to everyone along the way. He was so anxious to be the first one to carry the news that many times he brought trouble to himself and to others, because he was not always careful to tell a story just as he had heard it. And often, everyone would have been happier if the squirrel had just kept the story quite to himself. The gods and goddesses, all together, were called the Isir, and the chief and father of them all was Odin. His lofty throne rose high in the midst of Asgard, the sacred city which the gods had built for their beautiful home. From Asgard, reaching out and down into the lower world, was a rainbow bridge called Bifrost, the Trembling Bridge. Upon this, the dwellers in Asgard could travel every day, all except the mighty Thor. His thunder chariot was too heavy for the Trembling Bridge, so he had to go around a longer way. After the gods had made men and women, and had taught them to dwell on the earth, in the world of Midgard. Odin looked forth one morning from his heavenly seat to see what further work was waiting for his helping hand. He noticed far away below him a race of small beings, some of them busy, doing mischievous deeds, while others sat idle, doing nothing. Odin sent for all these little people to come to him, and when they had reached Asgard, they were admitted to his palace of Gladsheim. They entered the great judgment hall, where they all found the Isir sitting, with Father Odin at their head. The little people waited in a crowd near the door, wondering what was going to happen to them, while Hermod, the messenger of the gods, ran to his master to say that they had come. 
Then the Allfather spoke to the dwarves about their evil deeds among men, and he told the naughtiest ones that they must go and live underground, and look after the great furnace fire in the middle of the earth, to always keep it burning. Some must get coal to feed the fire, and others were to have charge of the gold, and silver, and precious stones under the rocks. Not one of these busy dwarves must ever appear during the day. Only by night might they venture to leave their tasks. And now, said Odin, turning to the little ones, what have you been doing? We were doing nothing at all, so we could not have harmed anyone, and we pray you to spare us, cried they. Do you not know that those who sit idle when they should be doing good deserve punishment too, said Odin? I shall put you in charge of all the trees and flowers, and shall send one of the Aesir to teach you, so that you may be doing some good in the world. Then the little elves went to work among the flowers, and Frey, the bright god of summer and sunshine, was a kind master to them. He taught them how to open the folded buds in the sunshine, to fill the honeycups, and to lead the bees along the flower passages to find their food, to hatch the birds' eggs, and teach the little ones their songs, and then each night to fetch the water for dewdrops, to be hung on every leaf and blade of grass. When their work was finished and the moon had risen, these busy elves and fairies enjoyed many a happy evening, dancing and frisking on the green by moonlight. And so our world of Midgard was filled with busy work and play. Even now in our time, the people in the lands of the north and in Germany have many old sayings and stories that have come down to them from the days long ago. There is a beautiful white flower in the north, which is called Baldur's Brow, because it is so pure and bright like the face of the dear sun god, Baldur. And in some places, when the farmers gather in their harvest of grain, they leave a little bunch of it standing in the field for Father Odin's horse. We have some English names to remind us of these old tales of our forefathers, for we have Tuesday named for Tyr or Tiu, the brave god who gave his right hand to save his friends. Wednesday or Woden's Day, named for Odin. Thursday for Thor, the Thunder God. And Friday for either the goddess Frigga or Freya, or for Frey, the god of summer who ruled the fairies. So um, I super love that a cow was around before everything else was. I do like the cow. <laughs> before the first that, giant <laughs> revealed the things first Things have just god. been licked into shape by a cow. <laughs> like the cow is the ultimate here, apparently. Yep. What came first, the chicken or the egg? It Neither. Was the, the cow. cow. <laughs> there were a lot of things in here that I was like, I feel the need to uh, correct these or clarify these. Like, Utgard is another name for Jotunheim, which is the world of the giants. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you weren't familiar with the term Utgard, that's probably why. There are nine worlds in Norse mythology rather than the just the three that were mentioned in this tale. Yeah, this was this was a little simplified. Yeah, kind of a bare um, bones Norse myths 101, a little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I can actually name all the worlds if you want. Uh, can you? I can. I wrote them down. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, then here. How about I? Yeah, I you do it. Yeah, yeah. Should I try to guess them? Okay. Um, so we got Midgard right in the middle. Yes. Then we got we talked about uh, Jotunheim of the giants. Mm -hmm. Uh, then there's Niflheim with all the frost and the memories, and then there's 
Oh, uh, Muspelheim with the fire. And... Oh, that's... That's four of nine. Oh, getting boy. There. <laughs> uh, getting there. Then there's As- Asgard, with, yeah, of course. Of course. And is there like an Alfheim where the uh-huh. elves Alfheim live? Alfheim of the elves, yes. Seems like it. Yeah, seems like it. There is um, some places full of dwarves. Yep, that's Svartalfheim. Spart- yeah, so Svartalfheim. Yeah, Svartalfheim. Something like that. Yeah, so that's seven. Uh, what are the other two, Linz? The other two are Vanaheim, which is oh. the other realm of the other gods. They're like two the other tribes. Gods. Yeah. The, yeah, I even like the Vanir. I think they're pretty sweet. Okay. Yeah, the gods are the Aesir and the Vanir. So Aesir uh-huh. are Asgard and Vanir are Vanaheim. Picture two different sports teams, you'd have exactly. the right idea. Yeah. Not always friends. Sometimes are, sometimes aren't. Um, and then the final is Hell. Which is just oh, yeah. H-E-L, and it's ruled, world of the dead, ruled by Hel herself, which I believe is the daughter of Loki, right? Yes. And she's uh, straight down the middle, half beautiful woman, half, like, dead, rotted half zombie. De- decrepit corpse. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> Super a, cool. It's a pretty strong image. Definitely not Hela, which they have in, like, Thor 3. Not quite the same thing. No, but this, a very similar idea. Um, that, and that's kind of a good jumping off point. That These, these are stories that have been co-opted by a lot Many. of other stories. Um, well, the, the biggie is, is Marvel Comics. If you know... Um, there we go. Uh, if you if you know Thor from Marvel Comics, same Thor, more or less. Uh, this is uh, we, earlier we've talked about American gods. Uh, that kind of addresses this question really well. Uh, that these gods survived through different interpretations over the years, and really, that's very much what happened with the Norse gods. As soon as Christianity came, they kind of were you know shoved onto the back burner as folk tales. And a lot of their the memory was kept just kind of moving forward by uh, word of mouth storytelling instead of uh, the other the other side of it was writing everything down in runes, which was uh, a really, really important part of preserving history. And I'm glad that they did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how it's how we know so much about these these people. Also takes a while to etch into stone, too. <laughs> That's true. It is not a not a quick and easy no. process. <laughs> I think that another few things to mention in this, like like I said, they, these were simplified. So when they talk mm-hmm. about the Midgard serpent, he is known as Jormungand or Jormungandr. Jormungandr. Yeah, yeah, and he's the coolest, uh, even though he's technically um, a bad dude. <laughs> but he's they, cool. So they've actually just barely um, made him a playable character in the online MOBA game Smite. Interesting. And yeah, he's he's just at the top half of a serpent that comes burrowing out of the ground wherever he is, and he just leaves this wake of of destruction behind him. But yeah, so he's a he's a giant legless worm type creature. Um, with a Y. Oh yes, yes, with a Y. <laughs> or with a Y. U, or with a verm. Yeah, yeah. you have to. <laughs> um, I my I think my favorite interpretation of Jormungandr. Um, or Jormungand. I think Jormungandr is the old Norse version or something. Could I don't know. Sounds about right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say it is. Who who will tell us that we're wrong? Probably someone. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I really, really liked him in God of War 4, which I will probably end up talking about quite a lot. 
tonight. Um, and what I like is that God of War is is one of very few video game franchises that Lindsay knows that I yeah. don't really know. So if <laughs> if there's God of War talk so to happen, much. that's Lindsay's domain. Uh, it's, it's such a it's such a good game. Even though like I'm, usually I'm pretty against things that are not accurate mythology wise. Like I super hate the Percy Jackson books for that reason. But God of War. Like, he's killing off God, so obviously it's not mythologically correct. It, it already starts with some suspension yeah. of disbelief I mean, on top of it, yeah. Norse is a little different because, I mean, technically their gods can be killed, but it's not until ah, later on. That's my favorite part about yeah, them, and I think fact. we'll talk more about how that occurs a little bit later. But God of War 4, basically, the first three were him going through, I think, I think it's the oh man it's been so many years since i have played these games but it's uh, i think it's the greek gods because he's greek kratos is greek mm-hmm. and he ends up you know killing the entire pantheon of greek gods and then god of war 4 starts many years later when he's had a wife and a kid and moved away and all this stuff and it's it's him starting a path with the norse pantheon which is super cool mm. And they do a really good job, and they um, they have almost all of these worlds that you can explore. Like, you can go to Niflheim, you can go to Muspelheim, you can go to Alfheim, um, I think. Definitely Niflheim and Muspelheim, because they're like the primordial mm-hmm. ice fire worlds. And they're hard, they're very difficult. Um, but he does, back to my point, he does end up meeting Jormungandr at some point in the game and the serpent is is very chill surprisingly oh. but it also makes sense because he's supposed to be like slumbering and mm-hmm. ragnarok has not come yet you know like he's not supposed to wake up till the end of the world essentially so he's, yeah, see, he's wrapped fun. around our world our world which is midgard yeah i like jormungandr because he really is He's in my mind. He's he's a Norse dragon. Yeah. While he doesn't have big wingerling dragon, you know, and he doesn't shoot fire or anything like that. And I still, by by sheer scale and force, I still feel he qualifies as a dragon. Oh, totally. Um, and yeah, <laughs> totally. And they've got all the dragons and, at the and, bottom of the world tree as well, like mm-hmm. Nidhogg. Um, Nidhogg chewing on the brain yeah. on the roots as it goes. Yeah. Poor Yggdrasil. Um, for me, my very first introduction to the Midgard Serpent uh, is the interpretation in, uh, in uh, the very loose interpretation in Final Fantasy VII. Ah, um, which I'm not which familiar with. That one uh, is very, I mean, I wouldn't say it's based on the stories. They just borrow a lot of names and themes. But at one point, when you escape Midgar, the giant mega city that you, you start the game in, you encounter the, the Midgar Serpent, this snake that goes in this kind of repeating pattern around this wasteland. And you have to cut through or battle this serpent that... Uh, what's interesting about it is at the point in the game where you encounter him, you have no chance of defeating him. <laughs> you have to escape. He's he's the boss of that, like, arc of the storyline. <laughs> the one you can't. Yes, and it sets this really great tone of, this. Is, there are things in this world bigger than you, Cloud Strife. Yeah. <laughs> and 
that was a fun thing for me. <laughs> That's good. It's good for every so, hero to encounter that. Yeah. So yeah, we. Uh, I, I hope everyone's got kind of a nice little little primer on Norse mythology on on the world that we are playing around in today. Yeah. Um. I had a couple other things with this yeah. one. Just just to the uh, the technical person in me is like. Let me explain this further, since this is for children. <laughs> it is not super <laughs> descriptive. The squirrel that they talk about that runs up and down the tree. Ratatosk. Yes, Ratatosk. Yes. He's cool. And that's basically what I was going to say. It was just his name, because they don't ever mention his name in it. But he's neat. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah. They don't ever name the eagle, which is a little sad. Not sure I know the name of that eagle. Yeah, there isn't one. I tried to find hmm. it. There's not one. All right, listeners at home, name that eagle. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, the Norns are, they're kind of like the, the Greek fates. Oh, they're totally yeah. the fates. Uh, I, they're just really one-for-one one equivalent. Uh, they Yeah, they water the tree, but yeah, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I liked the kind of the additional explanation at the end of this about the days of the week, like how they were named. Yeah, that was a bit of a jump, but I liked that they 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 got yeah. there. With they, it being they did say an educational story, like it makes mm-hmm. sense that they could just. Oh yeah, that's throw a, that's a little fact nugget I've tossed at a lot of people. Thor's um, Thursday. You know, <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> you you want to know why Wednesday has a nest in the middle of it? I'll tell you. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> One thing I did want to mention with the story, just like the last thing for me, is that it seemed it seemed like the story was saying. And this may be more well known than I know, but that the bad people from Midgard were made into dwarves and the idle ones were made into elves. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, that has bearing on the tales that we're going to tell a little later uh, in this episode. So that's something to remember as we're going in because they it is alluded to a couple times. Good to a good thing to point out to be thinking about. I don't know how that works mechanically that seems a little racist but you know (laughs) whatever (laughs) it's magic (laughs) it is a fantasy world so i mean who am i to judge right yeah all in all you know like i said norse norse miss 101 for kids yeah it's not a it's not a totally terrible place to start uh, an education in norse mythology and hopefully uh you, uh, those of you listening at home, you had a couple moments of, hey, I know more about that than they're saying. Good. Yes. Tell your friends. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and the other, other couple of tales that we're going to tell tonight are actually actual tales. Like, they're stories that occur within Norse mythology. So, moving on to that, the f- next tale we're talking about is going to be about Baldur. Ooh, it's a good one. Baldur. Baldur was the best beloved of all the gods. Odin was their father and king, and to him they turned for help and wise advice. But it was to Baldur they went for loving words and bright smiles. The sight of his kind face was a joy to the Aesir and to all the people of Midgard. They sometimes called him the God of Light. A good name for him, because he truly gave the world light and strength. Baldur was the son of Odin and Frigga, He was the most gentle and lovely of the gods. His beautiful palace in Asgard was bright and spotless. No evil creature could enter there. No one who had wrong thoughts could stay in that palace of love and truth. 
At last, after the bright summer was over, for many days Balder had looked sad and troubled. Some of the Aesir saw it, but most of all his loving, watchful mother, Frigga. Balder could not bear to worry his mother, so he kept his sorrow to himself, saying nothing about it. But at last Frigga drew his secret from him. And then his friends knew that Balder had had dreams which told of coming trouble. Dreams of his leaving all his friends and going away from Asgard to dwell in another land. Odin and Frigga, fearing the dreams might come true and they might lose their beloved son, began to think of what they could do to prevent it. Then the loving mother said, I will make all in the world promise not to hurt our son. And so Queen Frigga sent out for everything in the whole world, and everything came trooping to Asgard, to her palace. All living creatures came from the land, from the water, and from the air. All plants and trees came, all rocks and stones, and even the metals under the earth. Where the busy dwarves worked, fire came, and water, as well as all poisons and sickness. Everything promised not to harm the good Balder, except the one little plant called mistletoe, which was so small that Frigga did not send for it, feeling sure it could not do any harm. Now, now I, am I am happy, happy once, once more, more, said the queen, for our Balder is safe. And she sat at peace in her beautiful palace, rejoicing that her dear son was free from all danger. But Odin, the wise all-father, still felt uneasy, even after all these promises, fearing what might happen. So he took his eight-footed steed, Sleipnir, and rode forth from Asgard to the underworld to find Hela, the wise woman who ruled over that far-off land. She could tell everything that was going to happen, and she knew the names of those who were coming to dwell with her. Odin was the only one wise enough to speak with Hela for no one else knew the words that could call her forth from her dwelling. But when Odin called, she came to answer. Tell me, he said, for whom are you making ready this costly room? We make ready for Balder, the god of light, replied Hela. Who then will slay Balder? And bring, and bring such, such darkness, darkness and, and sorrow, sorrow to Asgard. Again said the wise woman, It is Hodor, Balder's twin brother, who shall slay the son of God. And with these words she vanished. Sadly, Father Odin returned to Asgard and told his wife the words of Hela. But Frigga was not troubled in her heart, for she felt sure that nothing would hurt her dear son. One beautiful sunny day at the end of summer, the gods had all gone out to an open field beyond Asgard to have some sports. As they all knew nothing could hurt Balder, they placed him at the end of the field for a target, and then they took turns throwing their darts at him just for the fun of seeing them fall off without hurting him. They thought this was showing great honor to Balder, and he was pleased to join them in the sport. Loki happened to be away when they began to play. And when he came, was angry in his heart that nothing could hurt Balder. Why should he be so favored? I hate him, said Loki to himself, and began to at once plan some evil. 
All this while, Queen Frigga sat in her palace, thinking of all her dear sons, and of how much good they did to men. As she sat thus, thinking and spinning with her hands, there came a knock at the door. The queen called, Come in, and an old woman stood before her. Frigga spoke kindly to her, and soon the old woman said she had passed by the field where the gods were playing, and throwing sharp weapons at Balder. Oh, oh yes, yes, said Frigga. Neither, Neither metal, metal nor wood can hurt him, for all the things in the world have given me their promise. What? said the old woman. Do you mean that these things have really vowed to spare Balder? All, replied the queen, except one little plant that grows on the eastern side of Asgard. It is called mistletoe, and I thought it too small and soft to do any harm. Before long, the old woman went away, and when she was quite out of sight of Frigga's palace, threw off her woman's clothes, and who do you suppose it was? Why, no woman at all, but that wicked Loki, of course, who hurried away out of Asgard to find the poor little plant that did not know about Baldur's danger. When he came to the place where the plant grew, Loki, cutting off a branch, quickly made a sharp arrow, which he carried back to the playground, where the Aesir were still at their game. All but one, Hoder, the god of darkness, Baldur's blind twin brother. Then Loki went up to Hoder and said to him in a low voice, Why do you not join with the others in doing honor to Baldur? I cannot take aim, you know, and besides, I have no weapon, said Hoder. Come then, here is a fine new dart for you, and I will guide your hand, whispered wicked Loki. Then he slipped the arrow of mistletoe wood into Hoder's hand and aimed it himself at Balder who stood there so bright and smiling. Then poor blind Hoder heard a dreadful cry from all the gods. Balder the beautiful had fallen. Struck by the arrow, he would now be taken away from them to live with Hela in the underworld. Every heart was filled with sorrow for this dreadful loss, but no one tried to punish him who had done the wicked deed. For they stood upon sacred ground, and the field was named for the Peace Steed, or Place of Peace, where no one might hurt another. Besides, the gods did not know it was the false Loki who hated Balder that had struck him down. When Frigga heard the sad news, she asked who would win her love by going to the underworld and begging Hela to let Balder come back to them. Hermod, the swift messenger god, ready to do his mother's bidding, set forth at once on the long journey. Nine days and nights he traveled without resting, until he came at last to Hela's underworld. There he found Balder, who was glad to see him, and sent messages to his friends in Asgard. Hela said Balder might return to them on one condition, that every living creature and everything in the world must weep for him. So Hermod hastened back to Asgard. And when the Aesir heard Hela's answer, they sent out messengers over the world to bid all things weep for Balder, their bright sun god. Then 
Did the beasts, the birds, the fishes, the flowers and trees, even stones and metals, weep? As indeed we can see the teardrops come to all things when they are changed from heat to cold. As the messengers were coming back to Asgard, they met an old woman, whom they bade weep, but she replied, Let Hela keep Balder down below. Why should I care? When the Aesir heard of this, they thought it must be the same old woman who went before to Frigga's palace, and we know who that was. And so Balder the Beautiful, Balder the Bright, did not come back, and all the dwellers in Asgard were sad and sorrowful without him. All right, so I do just have to say, mm-hmm. the myth of Balder is the very first Norse myth that I ever read. Um, and it was one of the very, very first myths that I was ever even exposed to, ever. And it was during a project in elementary school, like maybe second grade-ish. So it was this this book that our teacher gave us for this little section of our curriculum that was about mythology and it was these coloring pages that had these stories that were easy-ish for kids to read and then she took them and laminated all of the pages we colored and bound them and so I had this one first book that I got from school that was a book of mythology that I like had a part in you know and it had myths from all of the world, you know, Chinese creation myth, it had Balder, uh, a bunch of other stuff. So this this story gives me super warm fuzzies, even though it's really not a super happy tale at all. <laughs> it is kind of a bummer. Yeah. See, I, I think it's funny that, that this was one of your introductory ones. Um, I think this is, for most people, this is a story that if, if you pick up a book of Norse mythology, this is a story that's usually toward the beginning. This mm-hmm. is one that is kind of a, an important one in in their overall belief system and it has a lot of impact on the, some of the other stories in their in their world for me personally though uh growing up i well you, as a child you crack open a book of norse myths especially one with pictures you go for the ones with the cool pictures the <laughs> ones with the neat goats that you can eat and they come back to life from the bones and the and the cool dragons you don't go for the, the, the bl- blind guy with the, the bow and of, arrow of cats. that's not yeah the chariot of cats and all the all the cool heavy metal stuff but <laughs> yeah no i mean without without balder being like kind of a, a pivotal myth within the pantheon or within norse mythology like it may not it's, it may not be the one that you that you scroll to. That's for sure. You know. Yeah, this wasn't the one that jumped out at me as a kid. And actually, I it was not the first one, the first myth that I ever read. I had read read some of the others several times over before I finally got around to reading Balder. <laughs> what was the first one that you remember reading? Oh, the first one that I remember is actually our next story. Oh, so perfect. I won't tell you too much about Excellent. that one. We can talk about it then. Yeah, but on the on the note of Balder, it is uh, in in many ways it, it's very similar to the Christian story of of the death and resurrection of Except Christ. Except for the non resurrection part. Yeah, non resurrection, but he does but yeah. have some springtime elements to yeah, him. Yeah, being and that that pure being and being essentially sacrificed, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. by bad people. Yeah, it definitely has a very very and clear echoes. only through. Yeah, only through sacrifice can anybody be saved and that, and that kind of thing. But it also does come back to what you mentioned at the beginning of our show. These gods are special because they are mortal. Mm-hmm. That's something that is 
really special about uh, the the Norse gods and something that I think is really cool. Um, not only are they able to be killed, but they also have weaknesses, lasting injuries, um, debilitating character flaws. Uh, these are very real characters mm-hmm. for such a an, an idealized idea of creating a god that is a personification of you know uh, nature or. Mm-hmm. The, the universe in some way for sure and i, I think it's a way for these people the peoples the norse peoples to to be closer to their gods too you know if if your god can also die it has to go through trials and tribulations just like you do you know that's that's one step closer to being seeing yourself within them you know and that mm-hmm. in turn makes you a stronger person able to overcome more things etc you know like it's it's a different dynamic than most other god especially ones ones that are uh, monotheistic these ones you can relate to whatever god you relate to because it's polytheistic and it's it's not uh, ever a mutually exclusive thing they all exist period um and, and they feel more like real people than than a lot of other religions have which is pretty cool with the story though i i've <laughs> I've always questioned Frigga's decision to not talk to the mistletoe. Like, she had to know that it's it's not an innocuous plant. It's if it's literally the the only thing that she didn't talk to. Like, what of the plants that are mm-hmm. actually innocuous? Because they make a very clear point of like she li- talked to every single thing except for the mistletoe. Like, I know it's everything but the mistletoe. I know it's a story mechanism, but like, still, come on. Still, that's an odd choice to neglect yeah, the mistletoe. Yeah, plan, too. Come on. <laughs> Seems a little silly, but, you know, something had to happen, I guess. But, meh, whatever. <laughs> Excellent. Part one of my overly circuitous plan is one quarter complete. Yeah, I love how, how confident she was the entire tale. Like, oh, it's fine. I talked to everything, pretty much. And Owen was <laughs> like, much. Mm, but, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess really? he knows all. Yeah. But whatever. Yep. Gave up an eye for yeah, that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, he's got his ravens everywhere. So th- one thing I did want to mention is for those of you who have played God of War 4 um, and are confused about who's... This might be a little bit of spoilers, but sorry. Um, you just heard the tale anyway, so you'll live. Um, who, who's con- Whoever's confused about who Baldur's mom actually is, in some texts... Frigga and Freya are different goddesses, mostly later texts from what I've read. And in some, they are actually mm-hmm. the same, like earlier versions of texts. So either way, they're extremely similar. Within God of War, for Freya is Baldur's mom. So that's where the confusion here. Like Frigga in this tale, Freya in the game, but they're both technically right. But eventually we're split into two distinct goddesses. So I feel like that's uh, yes. worth mentioning in case there's some sort of confusion there. Baldur, man, he <laughs> always reminds me of that, like that really sweet, weak kid who all the other kids pick on in jest, but like they actually like him. And then he always ends up getting like seriously hurt. And they're like, oh, we didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. You know? Yeah, fact, that, they, that is kind like, of carried in, over into this he's story. He's so happy to be <laughs> part of their like sport that he's like oh, okay you can throw axes and shoot arrows at me that's fine 
Yeah, sure. That's uh, that's this is fun, right? <laughs> I'm just so happy to be invited. <laughs> like it's so sad. <laughs> I feel so bad for Balder. Oh. But um he also is probably was a very sheltered child with uh with the kind of mother that's like I'll speak to everything and have them say that they'll never hurt you. Yeah, I I get the feeling his his childhood was pretty special. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> Loki, dude. So sneaky. This is a great description of how ridiculous and awful Loki is. Yeah, like this is real Loki. This isn't Tom Hiddleston no. Loki. This is He's not sexy. Which is Loki. actually, I mean, pretty close, but there are some differences. Um, he's pretty and, crazy and too in these tales. Pretty crazy, yeah. He's he's a trickster god and uh, and not a friendly one, but also not specifically straight out evil. I don't know. Uh, let's see. How would you describe Loki? Um, selfish, crazy, chaotic evil, <laughs> bordering on maybe chaotic neutral. Yeah, I think he definitely has that that chaos to him, that uh, that self destructive uh, allegiance toward you know whatever may happen. Yeah, kind of whiny. <laughs> oh, definitely whiny. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it, even from just this tale, you had him talking about you know like oh well, why does he get all the attention? Even though like they're throwing axes and shooting arrows at him, you really want to be part of that. And just out mm-hmm. of spite, you know, he's like, oh, well, I'll figure out a way to kill him, which is silly. I don't know. Um, but, like, another question is just how come nobody talked to Hoder and asked him what happened? Like, no one ever figured out that it was Loki in this story at all. Yep. Uh, there, <sighs> clearly, the there is no Norse god yeah. of investigation and here. follow yeah and proper paperwork yeah. uh, after a crime that's that's just not we something just, that happens until later just don't question when things occur i guess maybe yeah. <laughs> but whatever but you know in general um it it's it is a good tale it's it's interesting it's a little sad it's a good description of a lot of the dynamics between these gods you know i mean you don't get a ton of insight except for really to loki and Frigga and odin but you do start to see them as as the characters yeah, they are clearly instead of just too yeah instead of just the single aspect uh you know gods that well are so yeah. so common in other for stories sure. um so next we are going to uh hear and discuss apparently logan's First and favorite tale. My favorite Norse <laughs> Which tale. Which is what, Logan? Well, that is the story of Tyr and what became of his That's hand. Tyr and the wolf. So we're going to, or he's going to tell you that now. All right, here goes. Tyr and the wolf. Odin, the Allfather, sat one day at his high air throne. And looking around him, far and wide, saw three fierce monsters. They were the children of the mischievous fire god Loki. And Odin began to feel anxious, for they had grown so fast and were getting so strong that he feared they might do harm to the sacred city of Asgard. The wise father knew Loki had given strength to these dreadful creatures, and he saw that all this danger had come upon the Aesir from Loki's wickedness. 
One of these monsters was a huge serpent that Odin sent down into the ocean where he grew so fast that his body was coiled around the entire world and his tail grew into his own mouth. He was called the Midgard Serpent. The second monster was sent to Niflheim, the home of darkness, and shut up there. The third, a fierce wolf named Fenrir, was brought to Asgard, where Odin hoped he might be tamed by living among the Aesir, and seeing the good deeds and hearing their kind words. But he grew more and more fierce, until only one of the gods dared to feed him. This was the brave god Tyr. He was a war god, like Thor, and is sometimes called the Sword God. Tyr was loved by all because he was so true and faithful. Each day the dreadful wolf grew larger and stronger, till all at once, before the Aesir thought about it, he had become a very dangerous beast. Father Odin always looked troubled when he saw Fenrir, the wolf, come to get his evening meal of meat from Tyr's hand. And at last, one night, after the wolf had gone growling away to his lair, Odin had a meeting of the Aesir. He told them of his fears, saying they must find some plan for guarding themselves and their home against this monster. They could not slay him, for no one must ever be killed, and no blood must be shed within the walls of the sacred city. Thor was the first to speak. Do not fear, Father Odin, for tomorrow night we shall have Fenrir so safely bound that he cannot do us any harm. I will make a mighty chain with the help of my hammer, Mjolnir, and with it we shall bind him fast. When the Aesir heard the words of Thor, they were glad, and they all went home rejoicing, all save the Allfather, for he knew well the danger and feared that even the mighty Thor would find this task too much for him. But Thor seized his hammer and strode off to his forge. There he worked the whole night long, and all through Asgard were heard the blows of Mjolnir and the roaring of the bellows. The next night, when the Aesir were gathered together, Thor brought forth his new-made chain to test it. In came Fenrir, the wolf and everyone was surprised to see how willingly he let himself be bound with the chain. When Thor had riveted the last links together, the gods smiled and began to praise him for his wonderful work. But all at once, the wolf gave one bound forward, broke the great chain, and walked off to his lair as if nothing had happened. Thor was much disappointed. Still, he did not lose courage. He said to the Aesir that he would make another chain, yet stronger. Again, he set to work, and for three nights and three days, the great Thor worked at his forge without resting. While he worked, his friends did not forget him. They came and looked in while he was busy, and as they watched the mighty hammer falling with quick blows upon the metal, they talked to Thor, or sang noble songs to cheer him, and sometimes they brought him food and drink. One visitor, who was no friend, fierce Fenrir, the wolf, sometimes put his nose in at the door for a moment and watched Thor at work. Then, as he went away, Thor heard a strange sound, like a wicked laugh. At last, the chain was finished, and Thor dragged it to the place of meeting. 
It was so heavy that even the mighty Thor could barely lift it or drag it as far as Odin's palace of Gladsheim. This time, Fenrir was not so willing to be bound, but the gods coaxed him and talked of his great strength and told him they were sure he would easily break this chain also. After a while, he agreed to let them put it around his neck. This time, Thor was sure the chain would hold firm, for never before had such a strong one been made. But soon, with a great shake and a fierce bound, the wolf broke away and went off to his lair, snarling and showing his wicked teeth, while the broken chain lay on the ground. Sadly, the Aesir came together that night in Odin's palace, and this time Thor was not the first to speak. He sat apart and was silent. First spoke Frey, the god of summer and king of fairies. Hearken to me, O lords of Asgard,' he said. I have not won a brave man in battle like the noble Tyr. Neither have I done such mighty deeds as the great Thor and of others of our heroes. Instead of fighting giants and monsters, I have spent most of my life in the woods, among the flowers, listening for hours to the birds. Many things have I watched, some perhaps that my brothers thought too small to be worthy of notice." I have learned many lessons, and the greatest of all is to know how much power there is in little things, and to see how often the work, done quietly and hidden from the eyes of men, is the finest and most wonderful. Since we cannot make the chain strong enough to bind Fenrir, let us go to the little dwarves, who work in silence and in darkness, and ask them to make us a chain." The Allfather's troubled face grew brighter as he heard Frey speak, and bade him send a messenger, quickly to the dwarves, to order a chain made as soon as possible. So Frey went out, leaving the Aesir in their trouble, and came to his own lovely home, Alfheim. There everything was bright and peaceful, and the little elves were busy and happy. Frey found a trusty messenger, and sent him with all speed to the dwarves underground, to order a new chain, and to return as soon as he could bring it. The faithful servant found the funny little dwarves' workmen all busy in their dark rock chambers far down inside the earth, while at one side, in a lighter place, sat their king. The messenger bowed before him and told him his errand. The dwarfs were a wicked race, but they were afraid of Odin, for they had not forgotten the talk he had once had with them when he sent them down to work in the darkness underground, and since that time they had never dared disobey him. The dwarf king said it would take two days and two nights to make the chain, but it would be so strong that no one could break it. While the busy dwarfs were at work, the messenger looked about at the many wonderful things. The great central fire which burns always in the middle of the earth, watched and fed with coal by the dwarves. Above this, the beds of coal, and bright precious diamonds which the dwarfs took from the ashes of the fire. In another place, he watched them putting gold and silver, tin and copper, into the cracks of the rocks, and he drank of the pure underground water, which gives the Midgard people fresh springs. After two days, this messenger returned to the dwarf king, the king, holding out in his hand a fine small chain, said to the messenger, these may seem to you to be small and weak, but it is a most wonderful piece of work. 
for we have used in it all of the strongest stuff we could find. It is made of six kinds of things. The noise made by the footfalls of cats, the roots of stones, the beards of women, the voice of fishes, the spittle of birds, the sinew of bears. This chain can never be broken, and if you can once put it on Fenrir, he will never be able to throw it off. Odin's messenger was glad to hear this, so he thanked the dwarf king, and promising him a large reward, he went on his way back to Asgard, where the Aesir were longing for his return, and were all rejoiced to see him with the magic chain. Now Father Odin feared that Fenrir would not let them bind him a third time, so he proposed they should all take a holiday and go out to a beautiful lake to the north of Asgard where they would have games and trials of strength. The other gods were pleased with this plan, and all set out in Frey's wonderful ship, which was large enough to hold all of the Aesir with their horses, and yet could be folded up small enough to go in one's pocket. They landed on a lovely island in the lake, and after the races and games were over, Frey brought out the little chain, and asked them all to try and break it. Thor and Tyr tried in vain, and then Thor said, I do not believe that anyone but Fenrir can break it. Now the wolf did not want to be bound again, but he was very proud of his strength, and for fear of being called a coward, said at last he would let them do it, if he might hold the right hand of one of the Aesir in his mouth while they bound him, as a sign that the gods did not mean to play any tricks. When the gods heard this, they looked at each other, and all but one of them drew back. Only the brave, good tear stepped forward, quietly put his hand into Fenrir's mouth. The other gods then put the chain around the beast and fastened it to a great rock. The fierce creature gave a leap to free himself, but the more he struggled, the tighter the chain. The Aesir gathered about him in joy to see this, but their hearts were filled with sorrow when they saw that the noble tear had lost his right hand. The dreadful wolf had shut his teeth together in his rage when he found he could not get free. Thus the brave Tyr dared to risk danger for the sake of saving others, and gave up even his right hand to gain peace and happiness for Asgard. All right, so... We've had our, our uh, a second helping of Norse gods as characters yes. in, in this one. <laughs> Again, you see they are, they are they're mortal characters, and they are flawed, and they make mistakes, and they jump to bad conclusions, and it's all part of the package of, of being, being a Norse god. Definitely. <laughs> and I think this, this tale brings us to what we were mentioning or alluding to earlier, which is Ragnarok. Oh, the yeah, big one. The yeah, the big one. So, the, I mean, these aren't part of this. This isn't part of the story per se but you've met all these characters so it's fun to now tell you what's gonna happen to them um yeah because because before we were saying no spoilers about the tv shows but guess what these stories are a thousand yeah. years old we're gonna spoil it's them like been crazy too long it's your own fault <laughs> uh so the midgard serpent like we talked about Jormungand or Jormungandr. he is one of loki's kids and it's mentioned at the beginning of this story uh, he is going to rise from the depths during Ragnarok and poison the world. And Thor is going to kill him. But Thor will actually also die himself in that process. 
Um, unless he somehow changes a timeline in the Marvel world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> also a possibility. <laughs> Fenrir, the wolf, is uh, slated to kill Odin during Ra- Ragnarok. That's a big old yeah, wolf. Not part of the story, just yep. notable. And I think it's it's worth mentioning like <laughs> this whole dynamic of bringing something that is innately not good into your home and expecting it to suddenly be good. It's like trying to raise a wild animal that it's utter nature is not to be this cute, cuddly thing, you know? Yeah. See, and that's what I really liked about this story. I liked that Fenrir is a, is a big, scary monster. And it's kind of hubristic to think that just by way of bringing him into into the great hall and get him get him hanging around the gods, it'll civilize oh, exactly. him. No, <laughs> no, he's a he's a monster, and, what and he's going to be a monster. We're... What do these gods have but hubris, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so much. Um, and 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 I really like that in this tale we have two characters, um, but in in Fenrir and Tyr, who are both very very true to their natures so much so that they can't really be anything else totally and it it, it shows you that uh, that you can have that quality and still be two very different kinds of character mm-hmm. i kind of like the the superhero aspect of putting oneself in danger to save others that's always a yeah, cool, that was, that, cool part of the story interesting. um with i mean tear clearly had a relationship with fenrir you know oh yeah and with him kind of betraying Fenrir's trust at the end even though he lost he lost his hand as part of it and knew that he might you know like it's still a betrayal and like I found myself siding with Fenrir in this tale yeah because well Fenrir was just being Fenrir yeah they dragged him out of where he where he wanted to be and expected him to be something else I mean in many ways it was a very similar story to like King Kong or anything like that it's his nature. And, like, he's also Loki's child. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Would have been a sweet pet, but nope. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fun follow-up to it, though. So, we know we know Tyr lost a hand, and that's a bummer, because he was the greatest swordsman of the gods. But then what will he do? Well, this mofo's just too badass. He decides he's going to learn to fight with his left hand very, and becomes the best that how way. How very Jamie Lannister. So, yeah, so he, that or whole opposite, trope started probably. with him. Opposite of that, I think. I think opposite yeah, probably. could be wrong. Um, yeah, like it, it was interesting that this tale. It's it's kind of about this sacrifice for the good of all with with what Tyr did, but like, couldn't they have just asked Fenrir to like leave, or maybe not have taken him to Asgard in the first place? I don't know. <laughs> Like, I feel bad for, like I said, I feel bad for Fenrir, and I, I actually kind of feel even worse for Tyr, because he was trying to be helpful. Like, it wasn't his decision yeah. to bring Fenrir to Asgard. Yeah, if he was the one sa- saying, I shall tame this mighty, yeah, be a you know, this whole mighty other wolf. Dynamic. But no, he was just the one that He's was like, volunteering okay, cool. to, yeah. <laughs> kind of weird. I don't know. And he's, I mean, he's like the god of war technically of of the norse mm-hmm. pantheon but i know you have some feelings about gods of war and the norse mythology well yeah be- because 
yes, okay, so Tyr is, Tyr is the god of war, sure, and specifically just combat, honorable war, and and being being good at yeah. war. Uh, then you look at some of the other gods, like you've got got good old Thor. We all know Thor, god of thunder and storms, and also war. <laughs> and then we got Odin, god of knowledge, poetry, and also war. <laughs> and then you've got Freya, goddess of the hunt and the harvest, and also war. Exactly. <laughs> Everything is so, war. Which <laughs> so there is a war aspect yeah. to a lot of these things, and it does um, make sense. I mean, that's with, because with Valhalla, yeah, right? Like you have to, yeah. War and violence was just part of of life, as, mm-hmm. uh, specifically to the Vikings. But in Norse culture, that's just the way yeah. it was. If if you uh, if you weren't strong, chances are somebody stronger was going to exactly. come along. And to get to their afterlife, the the epitome of what they're all striving for which is Valhalla you have to die an honorable death in in battle essentially to move on as far as I'm remembering I could be mis- you are you are exactly but, right but like that mm-hmm. that's it was such a huge dynamic battle was such a huge dynamic um and you'll hear a little bit more about that I'm sure in our creature discussion next week yeah we've got a we've got a creature coming up that ties in exactly with that so uh but but it was a huge aspect so that makes it does make sense why they had so many gods of war essentially but Tyr was technically Mm -hmm. like the actual like god yeah if war was what you did (laughs) chances are you you had Tyr's rune on you somewhere (laughs) Um, i do want to say phrase foldable ship sounds hella cool Oh, I like that so ship. Cool. Yeah, we're, oh man. I believe that is a D&D I item. Sure At least it wasn't 3.5. I, sure I don't know is. if it still exists in 5th edition. If not, it's a homebrew somewhere that we can find. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's pretty dang cool. <laughs> One thing that I, that uh I really really liked um and and this this harkens back to what I what I was mentioning with our first tale with with the dwarves and the elves being kind of separated out in the beginning for being idle or being bad, you know? So the doors were the bad people from Midgard. And um, uh, they were kind of like resentful of having to do this, but also scared at the same time. And mm-hmm. I really, really love the the description of, of the chains that the doors made to actually bind Fenrir, right? The noise made by the footfall of cats, the roots of stones, the beards of women, the voice of fishes, the spittle of birds, and the sinews of bears. Like, that's what yeah. made these chains. It's so cool. I love that that poetic aspect to it, you know? Yeah, there's definitely an, an imagery to it. And just the, the idea of the strength of the things that can't be felt or perceived and often aren't considered yeah. strong. And this chain being um, tiny too and being the strongest thing it's yeah. a, it's got more sim- symbology to it but it's interesting and a very cool description i really liked it yeah and i and really uh, a lot of these stories have a lot of that uh, that that poetry mm-hmm. to them uh, and really uh, we it, a lot of them talk about how odin is the all father and the the head of their gods and what i mentioned before he's he's not a god of you know of of thunder or war primarily he's a god of poetry and storytelling and of, of travel and knowledge and memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, his domain is largely knowledge based. And that's again, just something you wouldn't quite expect out of such a warlike people. Um, just kind of yeah. a cool thing about the sure. Norse. Well, I mean, I know they, they valued 
they, they placed a high value on storytelling and and knowledge of the world around them, you know, and passing tales uh, to and fro, you know, like mm-hmm. that was that was a a big part of Norse and Viking culture too so oh, yeah um so much so that uh, the skalds uh which were they were warrior poets believed to be cursed by the Odin ultimate that they bard. <laughs> yes they're, they're super bards yeah. um and their deal is that they remember the details of every battle even the ones they lose mm-hmm. so many times uh they were uh, not killed in fights. Instead, they were captured so that they could come back to the castle of whoever, you know, whoever won the battle so that they could continue the story. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, were, they were in high, high demand. <laughs> they were a valued commodity. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a big deal and to be a scarred. A skull. A scarred. A skull. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> scald. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a very high and coveted position. And mm-hmm. like the best of the best were the ones that ended up being in this role. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's pretty cool. Well, maybe someday I can aspire to be one. You're just getting like there. Them. You're, get, you're down <laughs> getting that there. path. <laughs> ah, thanks. <laughs> um, so that's that's what we have for you guys for Norse mythology. I'm sure we'll circle back around and do some more tales for you at a future date. Um, maybe not in the near future, but definitely in the future. Yeah, but I think this was a nice little introduction, uh, kind of just dipping your toes in this part of the world. Um, in the mind of those now, Marvel cobwebs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> n- now, Norse mythology, it, the reason that we kind of took some time to focus on, on, on this one little pantheon is that it is very, very popular to, to be source material for so many other things. Uh-huh. And yeah. Um, this is uh, this is a, a set of um, stories and characters that we're going to draw back to again and again in the future, mm-hmm. because so many things are either similar or we're you know in many ways influenced by these stories. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all throughout history, and they're so present in popular culture. They're present in ways we don't even think about. Like you may have not even known about the days of the week, uh, vice versa. You know, you definitely know about Thor and Loki and. Uh, Asgard and all those wonderful things, you know, <laughs> by the Bifrost and Heimdall and Mjolnir, all those things, all the, all good the, stuff. All the cool things, yeah. you know, but you know about those and it's fun to kind of explore the other aspects that you may not know much of, you know, so anyway, that's what we've got for you guys for tonight. Um, we are kind of switching it up a little and we're going to be putting our promos uh, right toward the end of our episode now, because you know more content sooner is always nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so our promo for this week is for a show called Mysteries and Urban Legends, which if you are listening to our show, you're probably you know you probably already like those things. Yeah, it may pertain to your interests. It might. Um, so give our friends Alex and Ben a listen if you want to hear more about folklore or urban mysteries or unsolved mysteries, etc. You hear from us, so you, more can't hurt, really. And these two are great. So here is the promo. Hi, this is Ben. And this is Alex. 
Do you like unsolved mysteries? How about urban legends and folklore? If you do, you should tune into our podcast, Mysteries and Urban Legends, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, as we explore unsolved mysteries and the origins and meanings of urban legends. Look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and all other major podcatchers. You can also find us on all social media at Mall Podcast. So come on and give us a listen and enjoy. Right, so give them a listen. Um, and as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklore Rocks. <laughs> uh, we've got pictures, notes, sources on our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. Uh, we have a Patreon that we're working on getting more content on there but uh it does if you do donate it does come with some cool perks you get some stickers and decals and maybe some other cool things the more you end up donating and uh everything that you do donate that way comes uh comes to us and helps us with our monthly costs of producing the show uh we have a goal on there for what we're hoping to get (laughs) hoping to get to um for each month an amount for each month. So have a look at that. Um, we're going to be putting more content on there, you know, maybe some, maybe some mini sods, maybe just random stuff of me talking or of Logan talking, or, um, I know we, we want to have at some point, uh, Logan's corner where he just tells you about some random stuff. Cause he's so, great yeah. at that. <laughs> and, and that random stuff changes weekly. So oh, once, yeah. once we get around to recording it, who knows what be, it'll be. <laughs> super interesting and so much fun <laughs> but if if patreon's not your thing totally fine we also have a paypal button on our website um so you can go there and just make a one-time donation that way if that is easier for you or whatever if you don't want to do either that's fine you know we do this because we love it and we love making something for you it's all good uh <laughs> Reminder, free stickers. If you want to go ahead and write us a review and send in a screenshot, it doesn't have to be on iTunes. Um, You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on Stitcher. um, Just as long as you send us in that screenshot and let us know, you can email that to admin at folkloreontherocks.com and it should get straight to us. Um, But we also ask if you do have iTunes to maybe... Uh, rate us, leave us a review. Even if you don't really want stickers, that's fine. It just helps us know that we're not talking to no one. You know, we have our download numbers, but (laughs) people are what really help us know that someone is actually out there. And it's really cool to see that we're actually connecting with anybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We, we love when you guys reach out to us, you know, on Twitter or Facebook and, and, and chat with us, you know, Mm -hmm. We're real people too, and we we love connecting with you guys in any way, especially about our content, but, you know, about About anything. Anything is cool too, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Clearly, we love TV shows and video games, so, you know, talk to us about those too. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's all all I've got. I I think we're good. That's all we've got for you guys, so go ahead and have a wonderful week and tune in to us next Sunday. Yeah, we'll see you then. Bye, everybody.